Today on The Full Life, we have a conversation about how to talk to God. Yes, you know, we all know prayer, but do we really have intimate conversations with God and how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Different Christian perspectives coming together to have important conversations about our faith and help you live in the fullness of life God wants for you each and every day. This is The Full Life with Joseph Mancuso, Carolyn Pankella, and Jenny Stivale. Come join the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Full Life. If this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. And let us reintroduce you to the show. This is the show that wants every one of our viewers to experience the full life, the fullness of life that God has for each and every one of you. Of course, that's harder said than done sometimes. So we really have to refine our faith together as a faith sharing group here so that we may be encouraging each other to really live in the abundance God has for us and the fullness of our faith. So to that end, we share our on different topics every single week. And today's topic is a really exciting one. First, a little bit of business. We want to invite you all to follow us, like us, be a part of our community online and on social media. And you can do that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Plus, there's an audio version of our podcast. So please like, comment, engage with us, and help us be a part of your lives. We would love that. That out of the way, let's get going with our encouraging word. And today's comes from Carolyn. What I want to encourage you today is if you are down to nothing, would you open your hands up and say, Lord, I surrender it to you. I surrender the pain. I surrender the disbelief. I surrender the dreams. I surrender the hopes. I surrender it all saying, God, your will be done. I trust you that what looks dead, if you can speak to it, you can bring life back into it. God is real and he loves you today. He has got you but just trust him. He is good. Well, thank you, Carolyn, for that word. That certainly sets us up in the right headspace to fall at the feet of Jesus and really soak in an intimate relationship with him. And speaking of which, how do we even talk to God? Well, our next guest wrote a book called, Hey God, Can We Talk? So she seemed like the perfect person to join us today. Sarah Bowling is a powerful scholar and spirit-led teacher with a gift to articulate and connect God's life-giving revelation to our modern moment. Her passion takes her many places around the world, and she also co-hosts a daily television program today with Marilyn and Sarah. She is on a mission to connect everyone with the heart of God while living genuine love with an unshakable conviction that unconditional love truly transforms and connects individuals to the spirit of God. And to that end, she is equipping people with resources, including this book. So let's welcome her on now. Please welcome Sarah Bowling. Hey, hey, thank you so much, Joseph. Totally fun to hang out. I appreciate, oh my goodness, I really appreciate the privilege of getting to connect like this. I love the title of the book. <laughs> She's like saying, can we talk? Hello, God. Um, so let's dive into the book because I think it's very practical, very conversational, which I think is perfect for this format. And why don't you go into the format? How have you structured this book to kind of teach people how to talk to God? Yeah, so I think it's really important to consider like 
conversations with God is not something that's just a religious thing, but it's really um, based around our human experience uh, and what, what we go through. And so I think it's interesting because the very first conversation you ever see between God and a human um, is in a pretty dicey situation because um, it's between God and Adam and Adam completely screwed up. I mean, of all the things that happened, you know, God's like puts him in this completely perfect place, euphoria. It's like utopia. And he tells him, you can do anything. Just don't do this one thing. Just this one thing. And that's the one thing that Adam does. He completely messes up. Um, and I don't think there's a human on the planet that cannot relate to completely messing up. I screwed up. I made a poor decision, um, whatever. But And I love that God... Just because we screw up, just because we make a poor decision doesn't mean that God's like, oh, my gosh, wash his hands and walk away. Mm. And, oh, my, you know, I love that that in the midst of Adam completely screwing yeah. up, that God steps in and initiates, initiates the conversation with Adam. And he, I love that what he does. He doesn't say shame on you. And he doesn't ask, like, what were you thinking? How could you be so stupid? He doesn't do any of that. He asks a very relational question, Adam, where are you? And and I just think that's that shows so much the heart of God. Um, and that's been the heart of God throughout all humanity. God could have should have like wiped us out a long time ago. I mean, we've given God ample reasons, <laughs> and yet God still steps in and says, Hey, where are you? Yeah, I recognize you completely screwed up. But I'm still saying, Where are you? Because I want to have a conversation. I want to talk about it. I don't want to just, you know, dismiss you, ignore you, or shame you, or, you know, push you off, exclude you, whatever. I'm here because I want to talk with you, and you're important to me. I made you, and my heart is love, first and foremost, more than anything else, is that I love you in the midst of your failure and your poor decision and all of the stuff you messed up. I want to have a conversation. If I can just add this, I don't think I've ever heard that in that tone to hear the Lord's words like that, because you're so used to hearing it, you know, where are you, you know, but you almost, when you just said it right there, you almost felt the sadness of God's heart. Like he was searching for him. Like, where are you? Where have you gone? You know, it's that, yeah. it's that loving relationship. I mean, I think of it with my child, you know, like, why did you do this? I mean, where, mm -hmm. what would make you do this? You know, it's that pain not of shame, but a pain of, I long for you. I want more mm -hmm. for you. you. You know what I'm saying? And boy, I've yeah. never, I don't think I've ever got that until you just said it right there. It was like a boom, like an aha moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really God's heart. I mean, and then God already knew he knows where Adam is, but it's more like, where, why are you hiding from me? Where are you? Stop hiding. And if you think about it, I mean, God is highly relational. And the reason I say that is because there's three of them. <laughs> They're inherently relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God doesn't exist without relationship. So if we're made in the image of God, and God is relational by, by just identity, then clearly God made us for a relationship as well. And I think the fundamental relationship God made us for is with God.
I've been teaching on producing fruit and I want to see if I can remember this quote. Um, I've been studying about from gardeners about how they produce fruit the best. And this one quote, and I, oh man, I hope I don't screw it up. Uh, But it's an ancient proverb that said, the footsteps of the gardener make the best fertilizer. And I thought, what a beautiful quote, because that is really kind of what we're talking about, the footsteps of the gardener. We just need to be in the garden with him. That's abiding in him and him and us. That's what creates the best fruit in our lives. Not just the prayers, and those things are important, but the conversation. I'm so glad you're having this. And I hope young people get their hands on it um, to understand that that's what prayer is. You know, that's it's that conversation. Yeah. And I think that's so important because I think um, there are a lot of, readers like you just said that you know have walked away and have turned and done horrible things and i think a lot of times in our own mind we like cross the line you know and right and i think god god says why don't you let me choose what's too far <laughs> don't turn back let me decide when it's like too far because and i think that with cain and i I'm sad. He makes me, he hurts my heart because I just think, you know, he wandered the earth and I have in my mind, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if he could have said, you know, I'm sorry. I, I totally screwed up and I'd really like to find amends. You know, I mean, you see, you see a lot of people in the Bible who do that, you know, David, I totally screwed up. Um, But then you see some who don't, who don't circle back, you know, and who don't, I like that the Bible brings the whole spectrum. You know, the ones that do everything really well, the ones who screw up, the ones that come back, the ones that don't. I think that's Mm. because I think that's the that's the human spectrum. But I think at the same time, it also shows us God's posture um, and and outlook from from soup to nuts, wherever you land in that spectrum. um, God's not like chewing his nails and like, oh, my gosh, now what are we going to do? You know, (laughs) So I think it, I like the whole spectrum, but I, 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 I certainly feel great sadness, you know, when I think about Cain, because I think it, it maybe it could look different, possibly. When you wrote about that in the book, that was pretty impactful to me because, and what was most impactful was that God spoke to him before and God spoke to him after, and he never, he never gave up. You know, he still came back to you and said, I still want to have a relationship with you, even though you did this absolutely horrendous thing. And 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 we all think of Cain as this villain. Usually right. he's painted as this villain. But you really you you let me see him in a new way. You know, I'm so glad that you're talking about intimacy and conversations with God, because I feel for so many people, that's such a peculiar conversation. I mean, let alone because we don't even have it anymore, hardly with people in real life. I mean, we're talking to them by text, we're talking to them by cell phone, but to really get face to face with people eye to eye and have those heart to heart conversations, you don't really feel that a lot anymore. But there's all through the Bible of how people had these conversations, these heart to heart, these real raw conversations. Like you've got Sarah and Abraham and just her longing to want to have a baby and just the fear. And then it's getting longer. And I, I just really want to hear from you talk about that a little bit of how can we really begin to have an intimate conversation with God? Yeah. I think one of the things that I did in this book, um, cause I really am as my passion is to really help people now you know, look back at, at the Bible, but what about now? And what does intimacy with God look like now? And how, 
and what are some tools? So at the end of every chapter, I did something called a conversation starter. Mm. Um, yes. And those conversation starters, my heart in that is to let give each reader some tools um, but, and recognize that everybody's unique. And there are things that, that some people would gravitate towards to develop intimacy. And that might be kind of repulsive to other people, you know. And so what I did was I tried to hit a, a really wide array of conversation starters. Um, and I looked at, you know, historical things, you know, like um, ideas. I went back biblical, you know, I looked at um, kind of the Lord's Prayer as a possibility for. And, and what I did was I, I, I formulated these conversation starters and tried to make them super practical because I think it is God's heart to have intimacy with us. And I think it's for us, you know, what does that look like? And, and recognizing the individuality, but also recognizing not an individuality only, but also sometimes a season or maturation in our life. So what that looks like for a young person, it might be a little bit different for somebody who's in their 50s or 60s. Um, and so there are pieces and parts. I think personality is part of it. But all these, there's like nine conversation starters in there. I think that's the number I have, but, and they're all, they're all very, very different. So, and that was my heart is now in this modern generation, what can that look like um, on an individual level? And so that was, that's kind of my hope and my prayer is to give each reader some tools and, you know, maybe they, a, re, a reader looks at it and is like, well, I like it, but if I tweaked it this way, it might work better for me. I'm like, fantastic. Whatever whatever tweaks, like, run with that. Because I think that's God's heart is intimacy and connection with us. So hopefully that kind of answers that question a little bit. We all have decisions to make. We all have life-altering decisions, easy to you know, not easy, but like quick decisions, day-to-day -day decisions, some difficult decisions to make. But there are examples I, I'm how to communicate with God about how to do that. And so I, I'm curious, what, what, what was the biblical inspiration that you took in that type of communication? And then in your own life, how have you avoided the moguls in your own life along the way? <laughs> moguls, that's such a great word. It's like a snowboarding, skiing word, which is perfect for me because I live in Denver. And that's part of our little environment here is the, those little fun adventures. But in terms of like decisions, um, I think what I what I really found helpful to me, and that's why I wrote this chapter, is the chapter on Jacob. Um, because Jacob had a lot of decision points in his life. Um, and some of those decision points came when he had made poor <laughs> Poor choices, you know, he was kind of at a crossroads. What am I going to do? My brother wants to kill me. My dad's super mad at me. And my mom just did this super manipulative thing, you know, and now what? You know, he's kind of like kind of in between a rock and a hard place. Um, and then he has another like fork in the road because he goes and he works for Laban for 20 years. Who's <laughs> I mean, if you thought Jacob was manipulative and schemer, Jake was kind of like an apprentice when you look at Laban. Laban was the the master. Um, and there is after 20 years of living with that guy, um, Jacob's at like another fork in the road, you know, a decision point. What do I do? And then interestingly enough, you know, at the end of his life, I would say there's another like fork in the road because there's a huge famine in the land. Um, and 
he can leave everybody as they are, you know, his whole family, and they can die from starvation, or he can send his kids down to some of his sons down to Egypt um, to see if they can get some food. And and the fork in the road happens when the sons come back, long story short, some sons come back and say, hey, dad, guess who's still alive? <laughs> Joseph, that we thought was all, you know, and, and Joseph is actually second in charge and he's inviting you to come down and live down there in Egypt. And he's going to, you know, so it's a fork in the road because Jacob has lived in this home country of his for decades. And, you know, as we enter the later years of our life, twilight years, a lot of times we don't want to upset the apple cart. We don't want to change. We don't want to leave our home. I think that the Jacob is super helpful when we have decisions, forks in the road, and what do conversations look like with God? Um, and probably one of my whole favorite chapters in the Bible is um, Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestles with God yes. throughout the night. And I think that is a profound conversation. I mean, profound, because it's not only a verbal conversation, but it's a physical, right? I mean, they're physically wrestling. So in, in that way, it's also a conversation. It's an interaction. Um, so that's one of my favorite chapters because I think I, I, it gives us permission or it gives us an example of wrestling. And, and I think a lot of times we don't wrestle with God. We think it's disrespectful, unholy. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, no, you know, I can't do that. And I don't want to make God mad at me and all that stuff. And I, and I think Jacob, Jacob is a really good example um, and a green light permission to say, you know, I want to wrestle with this. This is hard. I don't like this. I'm angry. I'm upset, you know, and really getting into the nitty gritty, the dirty, you know, that's what Jacob did. He wrestled all night long and it was dirty and messy and sweaty. And there was, you know, and he walked away with a limp. Um, so I think it's really important for us to, to have that permission and to have that honesty, because again, if we're going to have intimacy, the prerequisite, a prerequisite for intimacy is honesty. And that honesty includes um, some of that wrestling and ugly and sweaty and teary and all. I think that's all part of part of our journey, part of our conversation it needs to be part of it and not just the Pollyanna. Oh, everything's good. Because it's not. <laughs> it's not. That's so true. I mean, I love that you said that. And I, I want that's one of my favorite stories as well. I think a lot of us can say that. Um the the one of the things I learned living in in Israel is that in that story, um, the hip socket yarek in Hebrew, uh, one of the root uh, a root word sorry the root word for that is yare which is uh, can mean fear, and so one of the rabbis taught me that really what God was touching was his fear because Jacob oh, brought his fear to God. He so said good. he actually came forward and said I'm afraid. I'm yeah. afraid of what's going to happen. So he actually sends his kids and his wives ahead of him because yeah. his fear is so intense. And so what God touched was his fear. And mm. that came from that wrestling and that conversation. Oh. And it's such a beautiful yeah. uh, reminder that we can even bring our fear to him. And, mm -hmm. you know, fear, our hopelessness, our anxieties, people are feeling a lot of anxiety, feeling a lot of hopelessness. Where is God leading me? Is God leading me? Can you just kind of talk about that and offer some, maybe some insight um, and in how our conversations with God can touch on that? Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of hopelessness, um, you can look at a lot of people in the Bible that, that have that, that experience of hopelessness. Um, I mean, yeah. Moses is 80 years old, you know, I mean, he's been herding sheep for 40 years, 
Um, prior to that, he lived in the palace, you know, Pharaoh's palace. He was the highly educated. And, you know, you just have this massive shift. And, you know, I think he had in his own mind, someday I'm going to be the liberator for my people. You know, otherwise, that's why he killed that Egyptian slave master, right? And tried to intervene. And that <laughs> hit the fan and went, you know, the opposite direction. I didn't see that coming. And then he runs out in the wilderness and herds sheep for 40 years. And, and I think it after 40 years, I mean, I think that's like, you want to talk about hopeless. It's like, well, I guess I'm just stuck here, you know? And yeah. I, I had all this investment in me, all these dreams and all these, you know, I thought God was, I, I was going to be this great liberator and it hasn't turned out that way. In fact, I'm with, I'm hanging out with the stupidest animals on the planet every single day. And I smell like sheep. I, you know, everything. And this is not, this was not what I envisioned for myself and 40 years of that. I mean, it's one thing to do like a decade, right? I mean, one decade, okay. Two decades, it's getting a little discouraging. Three decades, wow, this feels kind of permanent. <laughs> Four decades, we've crossed now into this isn't going to change. And so I think when, and it's fascinating because if you look at that conversation, Exodus chapter three, between God and Moses, that's one of the longest conversations between God and man it's documented because it goes all the way from part of half of three into four. And I think even into some of chapter five, and it's a lot of back and forth. I mean, it's a lot of Mo Moses telling God, uh, no, I'm not interested in this. And I think God's like, you know, now you're in the perfect place. Everything is lined up. Your, your heart is soft. We don't have the arrogancy factor, you know, all these, you're perfectly postured. Now you're exactly where I want you. And Moses is like, <laughs> that's, you know, like, it's just this, what, you know, tweak, like, mm, the, you know, I've, I'm at the end of, I'm hopeless. I'm right? old. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm in retirement zone mode here. No. And this is not when I'm thinking to go back to my biggest failure. Right. I mean, that's where he killed somebody. That's what, you want me to go back to that place where I, and, and not only that I killed somebody, but all of my people basically they rejected me they're like who do you think you are and now i'm gonna go back you know and so i love that conversation because again it's moses being honest you know this is not good timing they're not gonna accept me uh, what are you smoking <laughs> nobody's <laughs> gonna believe me i'm way out yeah. you know like forget it and the last time they wanted to kill me you know yes. this is not no 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 this makes no sense whatsoever and yet, God, I love what God does. I mean, God just keeps pushing, being perseverant, and God keeps putting vision. He puts vision in front of Moses. He's like, you're going to go back. You're going to speak to Pharaoh. Uh, you're going to liberate, you know, and when you come back out here, when, I'm like, when you, he hasn't even agreed to do it, let alone when you come back. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't even said yes, and you're already farther down the road, you know? And so that conversation, I think for anybody who's listening or watching, I would say, if you find yourself in a hopeless place, um, it might be helpful to read Moses yeah. studying Exodus chapter yeah. three and that whole burning bush because it's a really profound, really profound, particularly if you if you can put yourself in Moses' sandals and where is he at in his life? Yeah. Because we read it just kind of with without that context, and I don't think we appreciate the gravity and the immensity that the weight of that conversation, but Pause for a second before you read it. 
put yourself in his sandals and then read it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, holy yeah. buckets, that's amazing. Well, when you add to that too, if you read in Acts chapter seven and it talks, there's a, there's a, a verse there that talks about uh, Moses being uh, mighty in word and deed, meaning he knew how to speak well, meaning yep. he did not have a stutter. According to this, he was not born with a stutter. He didn't have a stutter until he moved to the wilderness. Hmm. And you put that in the picture and then you see that he would, becomes a shepherd. And if you know that he was raised Egyptian and you read later in the story of Joseph, that shepherds are abomination to Egyptians. So he's yeah. out in the wilderness, rejected by his people. He's becomes an abomination to himself. And, and that's where the stutter comes from. And mm -hmm. so broken in that place. Self-sabotage months. You know, self -sabotage. Self How many times do we put up our own barriers right there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and also true. what trauma can do to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was in a little bit of trauma. I mean, yeah. well, yes. <laughs> And that's what I love about this whole conversation, to be honest with you, is because I think we're taking it out of religion and we're putting it into relationship. And I think for people who are watching today, I think that they can relate to that because so many, they're feeling exactly what you're, you both are talking about. It's all about the rawness. They, they feel um, like, where, where are you, God? You know, we trusted you. And, and what is this that I'm going through? This isn't what you promised. I mean, you take it back to some of these people. They were promised certain things and yet they go yeah. through years going somewhere else. It's like, I'm going to further away from the promise than to the promise. And yet I'm still, still supposed to trust you. I'm mm -hmm. still supposed to believe. And I think there's so many people that are watching this today that are disappointed with God. And I think what I hear you saying is it's okay to be raw with the Lord like that and tell him I'm, I don't understand. This doesn't yeah. make sense that God already knows. Right. It, it, yeah. And I, I think, and I love the whole thing with Mary and Martha. I love that whole John 11. I love John 12. I love looking at, and that's part of one of the chapters in this as well is sometimes we have, we think that our personalities disqualify us from having intimate, deep conversations with God. Um, and that was one of the chapters I brought in is the, the differences between Martha and Mary, both very, very unique women and very unique outlooks. And, and, and the way they talked with Jesus was drastically different, but Jesus stepped into the con deep conversations with each of them in their uniqueness. And he didn't say you ought to be more like this one, or you ought to be, you know, Jesus uh, I think celebrates our distinct personalities is like, Hey, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm totally stoked that you're not like Carolyn or Jenny or Joseph. I mean, fantastic. I don't want you to be a copy. We got enough echoes. We need originals. Well, I think you talk some in the book about how to communicate our emotions when they're raw. And I love that when they're raw, because so many people these days, I mean, don't even know how to do that on a human to human level. I mean, no offense, you go on Facebook and I mean, I just went on Facebook this week and a husband and wife were sitting there working out their situation. Like, la, 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 I don't want to know this, but I know, right? It's crazy, but I'd love to hear some of your thoughts of how God does it a little bit different and, and how, how did we do that with David's words in the Psalms? I would just love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, I, and I love David because what you he's he is so honest and raw with God on his emotions, and we see it we see it repeatedly in the Psalms that he writes. 
uh, man, you read some of those Psalms and he's like, hey, God, I want you to rip their guts out and and spit down their throats, you know, and do all these like horrible things because they're my enemies and pay them back and retribution, you know, and he's angry and, you know, all that. And I think, wow, <laughs> that seems a little bit unloving, you know, like <laughs> that's not merciful or, but I like the, I like his honesty. I mean, he's, and then when he's despondent, when he's upset with God and he's like, you know, I'm living on the backside of the desert and I'm scared out of my mind, you know, Saul is chasing me. I'm about ready to get, you know, pulverized and I, and I'm scared. And, and then he says, um, I love what he says. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your trust in God. You know, I mean, there's so many Psalms and I, and I bring that into, into the, Hey God, can we talk? I bring in those Psalms because those Psalms give a real honest picture of, of raw emotions and yeah. raw emotions. Like when David messes up with Bathsheba, I mean, Psalm 51, that's pretty, that's a pretty messy Psalm, you know, and it, and it was a whole messy situation. Um, but you know, David, David is just forthright, forthcoming. And, and you see him when he's jubilant and excited and wants to celebrate God and honor God. I mean, shoot, he strips down and starts to party and dance in the streets. And his wife is embarrassed, like, oh, my God, put your clothes on, you know. And, and, she, and he's like, you think I'm dishonorable now? Watch this. You know, and I'm like, whoa, maybe that's too much. You know? but, but I like he's pretty raw. And and you know what? God celebrates that. God's like, kudos, you know, a man after God's heart. And at the same time, he was a mess. Yeah, he was a mess. I mean, how freeing for you as never as any person on the street, any person in the world saying, you know, what do I have to give? Do I have this big calling that I must lead, you know, ministries and I must go feed thousands of my, but the, the people God chose are, are have an, a ton of flaws. All of them have flaws. And yeah. they waited a long time. You know, a lot of them had to be refined in a lot of ways and have these really raw conversations in order to be ready. So I think I think just in the nature of these conversations, there's a lot of hope because you, they are not really any different. I think, you know, in a lot of our folklore, we've kind of touted them up a little bit. But if you really get down to it, they had a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, And that that really, you know, I think that, gives people inroads into understanding really who God is because the people that we have now read about for thousands of years, all are as flawed as we are. Uh, but I want to, I want to turn to what your mission is now and your ministry, uh, genuine love. Um, and I want to really give that a voice because I know you have a podcast with that as well. And it just seems to be a real passion of yours. I mean, of course it's our commission in the Bible, but why, are you so passionate about it in this moment? I think that our, our world needs love and not just what like loving chocolate or I love to watch, you know, whatever your favorite Netflix binge is, or I love, you know, to go out and exercise or there's a lot of like love, but I think that the genuine love is God. And I think that it is, we desperately, we don't need, more religion. We got plenty of that. We could choke on that. I think we need, and Jesus said, you know, people recognize that you follow me by your love for each other. Um, 
And that's the defining characteristic of following Jesus. Not, not how well or how moral or immoral you are or any of that stuff. Jesus said it's the love, the love factor. And then the other piece that I think is so important, Joseph, is in 1 John, he tells us we love because he first loves us. And I think I, I want to love well. I want to love people well. And, you know, I can love the person on the airplane, you know, that's easy because, you know, I'm not going to see him again, <laughs> you know, like who cares, you know, um, but when you start to bring it down into people that I work with or I go to school with people that I live with, whether it's roommate, a husband, a wife, your, your kids, your parents, I mean, that's, and so loving at that level. And I find myself, there are times when I'm not loving and I want to be, but I can't, I don't feel it, you know, right? I'm like, how do I muster that up? And one of the things that God has been speaking to me about is, Sarah, when you are struggling to love, I want you to appreciate that perhaps it's because you're not letting me love you well. And sitting mm -hmm. with that love, sitting with God loves me and God loves me because that's who God is. And God doesn't love me because I did everything right. I, you know, didn't do immoral, make immoral choices. I, you know, use my money. I, God doesn't, and, and I don't get to turn, increase God's love or decrease God's love. It's not like, ooh, I do well, so God loves me more. I do poorly, so God loves me less. I don't, I don't control that knob because God is who God is, infinite and consistent and steady. And if God says God is love, then God is love no matter what I do or what I don't do. And you know, Paul says it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love. And I think about, I think about the parable of the prodigal son. And I think that demonstrates God's love probably better than any, any parable. Because the father, and we always look at the, the younger son who went out and squandered the wealth, you know, lived with prostitutes, fed the pigs, came home, dad, I'm not worthy. We always think so he's the prodigal. He's the one that, that messed up. He lost the plot. Um, but I would, I would propose that there's also another prodigal son in the story, not just the one who did everything wrong, but also the one who did everything right. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at him, it says he heard there was a party. He was out in the field working. He heard there's a party and he's like, what's the party? Well, your brother who's lost has come home and your dad's thrown a big party. And the older brother didn't go home. The older brother stayed out in the field. And if you notice, for both brothers, both sons, the father's behavior is the same. The father went out to the one mm. who squandered the wealth. He went out and said, welcome home, son. I'm so glad you're here. Robe, sandals, rings, party, fatted calf. I'm so glad you're home. But the father also went out to the son who did everything right. It's beautiful. And that one, he was on the outside and he said, and you want, look at that conversation between the older son and the father. The older son says to his dad, dad, and the father goes out to him, why are you out here? Let's go, come on and celebrate. And in this, in this culture at this time, he was supposed to, he was his dad's right hand man. He was supposed to set the tone and the culture and this party celebration. He was supposed to be a part of this and it's his younger brother, but he refuses. He isolates himself. He excludes himself. And this is what he says. I have kept all of your commandments right. and I have served you all of my life. Both of those 
vocabulary, the terminology doesn't imply love and it doesn't mm -hmm. imply relationship. It doesn't imply a family. He is earning. Right. He is earning his, and I deserve it. I never did anything wrong. And I deserve of all things, I earned this. And I think what happens is, I think as we, our world, whether we're super religious and we're advocate Jesus follower and we do everything just right, or maybe we completely lost the plot. We've, you know, squandered all of everything and we made poor decisions and we're the party hardy type. It doesn't change the father's love. Mm -hmm. The father loves us when we've done everything wrong. The father loves us when we've done everything right. And so letting God love us, letting sitting in that love that I am the recipient. And because I am the recipient, because I am so holy and fully loved. And this is the other thing that, that God's been working with me on is first John four sixteen. It says, we have come to know, we have come to believe that God loves us because God is love. And this idea of knowing and believing God loving us, I think we could check the box. Oh yeah. God loves us. The end. Knowing, But yes. I don't think we don't believe it. We don't act that way. If I really sincerely believe I'm unconditionally loved, then that changes the game for everything. You know, I get the privilege of working with a, a whole bunch of girls that have been um, human trafficked. And man, I'm telling you, week after week, I can walk in and just be cussed at. I mean, they can just cuss me out. And I just sit there and take it. You know, it's like, you know, I figure you probably need to get it out a little bit. But it's funny, at the end of it, just this week, one of the girls, after she just gave it to me, she all of a sudden looks at me and she says, you give me a hug. Mm. I would, I would be so honored to give you a mommy hug. And yeah. she just told me and she said, just tell me you'll be here again next week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought it was the love. If I would have looked at her and said, don't you cuss at me. And, you know, instead I just sit there and took it like, man, if you need to get it out, get it out. And I, I love when you're talking about the love, sometimes it's just being, it's just being the hands and feet of God of people who, have maybe never experienced that love. We get to, to be it for them, you know? Yeah. And now let's turn to the fullness of prayer. You know, Holy Spirit's a little tricky. We got Jesus. There's Trinity, right? We got Jesus. And Jesus is groovy because, you know, we get him. He's in the Gospels. We have God the Father. Okay, that's good. Because most of us have some kind of idea about a father, good, bad. But we got the context. But Holy Spirit, oof, that gets misty instantaneously so how do you have like conversation with holy spirit and so um this is what i did if you look in romans chapter 8 it is the most densely packed chapter in all of the bible with holy spirit there's over 20 mentions of holy spirit in that one chapter um, and so this conversation starter i love this is and honestly the reason part of it why i'm so excited about it is because I've been doing this particular conversation starter uh, for probably three, maybe five years, pretty much every day. And I, I'm, I love it. It's my favorite thing pretty much on almost the whole planet. So it starts off in there are nine verbs that are associated with Holy Spirit in Romans chapter eight. And so those nine verbs are in essence, kind of like a little bit of a journey conversation journey with Holy Spirit. Um, so these are the verbs, uh, to walk, to set your mind, to think, to dwell, to make alive, to put to death, 
to lead, to convince, bear witness, um, to help, and as well as to intercede. So those are those nine verbs that are associated with Holy Spirit, um, what Holy Spirit activities. And so that's a really fun conversation starter because I think a person could use those each of those verbs throughout the day um, to say, hey, can we have some conversation about my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, you know, so lots of ways to um, employ those convers- those verbs um, and and really, I think, grow in, in connecting with Holy Spirit uh, in, in a very helpful way, especially when Holy Spirit can be a little bit ethereal and kind of maybe seemingly misty. But I think these are some helpful tools to help a reader connect with Holy Spirit. Well, this has been such a great conversation because I just think us, we, we've got to really get to this point of understanding God in this level. I mean, even the most religious documents in our faith, the Ten Commandments, are about love and about relationship. You know, it, it's written as a ketubah, a marriage contract. And the first half are written about loving God and the second half are about loving man. And, you know, I mean, that's the most religious thing we, we have in our faith. And it's still about relationship. And so I love that you're doing this. I love this book. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And um, it feels very refreshing. So thank you for dedicating yourself to that. And and your podcast too. I'm going to start watching it. I just love it. I love you. (laughs) I'm just so thankful we had you on. Oh, so, so happy to be with y'all. And my first time to get to meet y'all. So I'm like, woohoo, this is exciting. It is. It's been very exciting. The conversation has been wonderful. I'm going to promote the book again and say, hey, God, can we talk? And where can they get it, Sarah? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, also, on my I have a website, sarahbowling.org. I always get the calm org thing. I think it's a org, um, but it's easy to get. Um, you know, you can Kindle it to downloads. So um, easy and very, I think, hopefully super easy to read very conversational, hopefully. Absolutely. I, th- I think so. Um, I also wanted to encourage everyone to, to connect with Sarah on social media. And then I want to offer all of you this. We talked so much about love today and showing love. And that is the beginning of a full life, showing love and feeling and accepting the fullness of God's love for you. So accept that love. We encourage you all to accept that so that you can begin to live in that fullness of life. And as we always say, why don't you go ahead and give some of that fullness to other people around you? We'll see you next time for more conversations.